0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to Be The Change, a podcast of conversations with true visionaries who are creating new paradigms for a healthier planet and society. I am your host, Christine Demick. And my work is in finding real solutions to the biggest problems we face today, climate crisis, capitalism, social injustices, and our failing health. There are amazing humans out there that have answers, and it is my mission to have their voices heard. Together, we can raise consciousness and create a just and equal society. Together, we can be the change. In our search to repair the damage we have caused to our climate, we often look to technology to be our savior. From sequestering carbon and cement, gigantic machines that suck it out of the air and turn it into a carbonated beverage, we search for fantastical solutions. But why? Our planet is perfect. It was created to process CO2 via our oceans, our soil, and of course, trees. Today, I am speaking with Matt Hill, Founder and chief environmental evangelist at the reforestation nonprofit One Tree Planted. After 15 years as an educator, business leader, and eco adventurer, he wanted a simple way to help individuals and businesses make real progress towards a more sustainable planet. He started One Tree Planted when he realized that planting trees is one of the simplest things we can do for the environment, while also having a big impact on biodiversity, climate change, and our health. Today we will learn how with just one dollar and one tree planted, we can make a huge difference. Welcome, Matt.
1: Hi Nice to be here. Thank you very much.
0: It's great to have you here. And you know I can remember early on in my climate research and how to save the world 101, I call it. I was looking for you know, one of those fantastical solutions. and, and then I laughed when I discovered that trees absorb about 30 percent of our CO2 already. Right. I mean, that's a huge amount. And while they can't single handedly fix our problems, they're extremely important. Can you tell me how you came to this realization and and why trees?
1: Well, it's tangible. You know, like you mentioned earlier, air quality, water quality, helping with biodiversity, creation of jobs, sequestering carbon, overall health. That you know, we call it so many co-benefits. We get a lot of brands, people like want to plant trees, and maybe they're connected to the carbon aspect of it. But then there's all these additional co-benefits, which I think are there. And you know, you can relate to it, going out in the park, seeing these trees grow, the forest, walking through nature. So here we are.
0: Yeah. I mean, did you so you are, I, I did some research. You're an educator, right? Mm-hmm. You're also a serial entrepreneur. You have a few businesses under your belt. Mm-hmm. What was the epiphany to start one tree planted? I mean, I'm really intrigued. And for those of you don't know, I mean, one tree planted is it's a fantastic nonprofit out there that is really doing that for $1, you plant one tree and they're planting trees everywhere. Um, My business, the good home company, which I have with a purchase of our products, we actually donate, You know, we plant a tree with you guys. That's how I found you. What pushed you to start it?
1: You know, I think a lot of these ideas that people start come just conversation, see a void or see a need, and then they just kind of do some research and look into it, start it with a quacky idea, and then all of a sudden it develops. But, you know, I think the starting point was my undergrad was in political science way back when. So I took a lot of environmental classes and knew the importance and climate, what was going on back in the 90s. And then I was going to do my master's in environmental policy, but I ended up kind of getting steered a different route doing the traditional MBA in marketing. So call it maybe you hybrid the two in terms of marketing and combine this important topic, the environment, and keeping the message simple, you know, for people to understand it. Because I found that there was a lot of great environmental organizations out there doing decades of great work. but every time I was trying to figure it out. Complicated, not easy, you know. People have an attention span very limited, right? So if you're not getting seconds, you know, you bounce out. So I think that that helped.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the things I'm really intrigued, and what drew me to your NGO was it's simple. It's one dollar and one tree, and you do it. And mm-hmm. it's not like you know, I send you a hundred dollars, or I can, you can plant a hundred trees, but then you know, it gets kind of like pulled apart and all over. And then you never really know where the money goes. Right. Oh. And it never see, but yours is, it, it is, it's tangible. I can see my tree grow. I can see yeah. what you all are doing. And you did a fantastic job on that.
1: <laughs> you know, Way back when, when I created the website and like back then it was like trying to figure out HTML and you know, how much has grown, but then another part too, that you asked in terms of how the idea came about. So not only was my undergrad there, but you know, started a few businesses and you live and learn when you start businesses, right? As we all know, yeah, not easy, a lot of hard work. But I was selling, I ran Eco Products for Canada. So they're the largest manufacturer of sustainable food packaging. So every time I was always trying to sell it to like these large scale grocery stores or coffee chains and everything... The price points was always about a cup's four cents, maybe mine was six cents. It would always be up in arms about, well, it's so expensive. I'm like, it's not expensive. It's two cents more. You're doing something that's so much better for the environment. And most of the time, they'd be like, thanks, but no thanks. But we wish we could do more for the environment. And I would say you can plant trees. And again, not because I had this charity at that point in time, and a really large grocery store said, you know, that's a great idea. You should start something like that. So the manufacturer that I represented running Canada was purchased and the corporate culture changed a lot. And it just wasn't as fun. So I decided to say, hey, I'm going to start One Tree Planted that's going to make it easy for individuals and businesses to plant a tree. Like you said, if I donate a dollar, I know a tree is going to be planted. I know I picked Brazil for it to be planted or I picked British Columbia. And then I found the void was you donate to all these great organizations, but you're really in the dark for such a long period of time. And being the marketing professor, like you said, I was an educator. Yeah. I knew a lot about email. And you could create a journey for the donor to understand, hey, thanks for your donation or planting a tree, not for thanks for you know donating five dollars. Thanks for planting five trees in Brazil. Hey, it's these type of trees we're planting in Brazil, and they're so beneficial because of X, Y, and Z. And people they feel a part of it. And then you're inspiring them to do more.
0: Yeah, in my own journey in trying to be the change and encouraging people. I found that there's a big disconnect that they feel people desperately want to help, Mm -hmm. but they need that action point. They don't feel just by donating money for most people, it doesn't feel like they are doing anything. But like, say the fires in L.A. that had happened. And I know that it was tragic and it was awful to see what was going on. But. What I loved about One Tree Planted was, is that it was simple. It was like, we can go to your website and choose where to plant them. I chose LA, right? You know, that area or Northern Cali. And we can see that. We can see it grow, you know, and I wish all charities were like
1: this. (laughs) I said, very nice of you. Thank you so much. Uh,
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, because it is, it's simple. You're cutting out the BS and you're doing it.
1: And send I... the BS. And another part on what you're saying, there's this video series we created called The State of California, and it was five episodes or six episodes, and they're like three, four minutes each. And you could watch the first one, and say, "Okay, wow, that's really interesting." I'm going to watch part two. I'm going to watch part three. And it explains why are we having so many fires. What are the important, critical things we need? And it's not just hearing it from me or somebody I want to be planted. We interviewed a lot of important people throughout the state of California explaining what's going on. So I think for people to understand the importance of this work, and it's not just you go out and plant a tree and tomorrow it's grown, you know, so we want to do more of that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Educate people. That's the other thing that I found is that education is really where we're going to be that change and to help people to change their ways. Literally, I don't know if you get too much into lobbying or working with the government's there's one thing that I find really perplexing. So I I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago, I spoke with an author, his name's Rick Bass, okay? And he, he happens to live in Montana. And there's a forest there called the Kootenai Forest and that it belonged to indigenous peoples, right? And it's now public land of the US. So when Trump was in office, he sold it. He sold it to loggers. And it's one of the United States' oldest forests. And now Biden came in, and him and Secretary Deb Holland are still supporting it and they're still going to sell off some of our oldest forests, which I know you know sequester enormous amounts of carbon. When we cut forests, we actually are emitting CO2. Most people don't realize that. Why don't they get it? In your work, and I'm sure you've encountered it. Um, and it's probably frustrating. Is why are we cutting down the forest to begin with?
1: You know, it's so unfortunate so forth and frustrating and why these things go on. To answer the question, I try and avoid working with government as much as possible because everything just gets bogged down, red tape, bureaucracy, et cetera. You know, when people give us funding and we can give the funding directly to the partner on the ground and making sure that I'm seeing action, you know, happening and not everything's going to work perfectly, but you can adapt, pivot. Okay, what worked well, what didn't, what are we going to do better next time? But so why are these big companies, you know, still doing things the way that they know they could be doing better? Is it always coming down to, to always trying to beat quarterly bottom lines or increasing profits? And why is the government making this and how much pressure is going on? Very complex beyond my pay grade. But yeah, unfortunate to hear, read about it. You want to be reading more about significant strides, about that the government's protecting this force and be protected forever. And it's never going to be sold. And we need to do more.
0: Basically, no answer, right? I mean, it's yeah, just no like, answer. yeah. And
1: I try to stay out of the politics. Not, I try and just be neutral. I keep my head down. I don't look at what the competition's doing. I don't get caught up in this. I know what we can do to be successful, <laughs> and I know what we look at for projects. I mean, we we'll look at two things with stuff that we're doing called additionality and permanence. So when we do go in and plant a tree for you, the donor, like what is going to happen to this land in the next twenty years, forty years, hundred years? what happens? Can the land be sold and it's going to go to a logging company or is it going to be turned into a shopping mall 10 years from now, just be cut down? So there's a lot of things that we're looking at.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So you do look at that stuff. I, I envision you just as you were discussing this, Matt, I envision like, you know, a tractor clearing, you know, part of a forest and you behind it with trees, just like <laughs> constantly like, you know, behind them right behind their feet, just planting them back up. And, So that's great. So you do consider it's not just planted anywhere. Can you tell us a little bit about how that decision comes to be and where, you know, because you can plant trees all over the world with one tree planted?
1: Yeah, I mean, we vet through the partners in terms of what's your track record? What's your tree survivability? Are you working with the local community? Are you planting, you know, native tree species? You know, what are the benefits here of this particular project? What are your costs? And we look at four significant costs. What's your site prep? What's the cost for your trees, like per sapling? What's your cost to plant them? And how much monitoring maintenance are you doing for the trees? And then we have a whole team, a whole project team that, you know, receive tons of submissions from around the world. And then, you know, we're looking for the criteria that matches what we're looking for. And somebody said this, I don't use it often, but it's easy to plant a tree. It's not easy to grow a tree. So, you know, number one thing that comes up to me is, how do I know my tree was planted and did it survive? So especially, you know, donors. And they donate $10 and want us to plant 10 trees in British Columbia, Canada. You know, and you go back a year later, like they would expect a report just like I would expect a one-year checkup, had that project go. And how many trees survived? There's no such thing as 100% because we're dealing with Mother Nature, tree planters that go in on, on those days. You know, things happen. But we shoot for 80% tree survivability. You know, we want to go back and be as close to that benchmark as possible. Sometimes we get higher, sometimes we get a little bit lower. So my point is we plant, yeah, in 45 plus countries and it's continuing to grow. We get some big brands that come in and maybe there's supply chains coming from a particular country. We want to get back to that country and where they're sourcing the raw materials and might say, here's a donation of X. Can you plant it in Greece? I'm making this up. And then there's a project that's connected with bees and then how much cross-pollination and other types of benefits are coming from this project. So constant requests coming in and our team tries to do the best to keep everybody happy and making sure it's a win-win situation.
0: I see. So people are requesting, so people could have land that they're offering up to you, or maybe they live in an area that they know needs, that they want to heal or. It's happened generate. that way.
1: I mean, often most of the projects are projects that are already happening in motion. Lots of the planning for many years has been underway, but what they're missing is extra capital funding to get the project happening maybe it's just on the cusp and when we come and say we'll give you two hundred thousand dollars and they can purchase the trees and it's covering the cost to put the tree in the ground freeze up budget to do other things like tree guards and enhance their tree survivability sometimes a big company that has a big presence like we plant for nestle so it's largest food company on the planet in many ways you know and they're trying to they give us map overlays and they say here's where we're sourcing this product and this product Do you have projects in these areas that we could allocate funding to. And then we say a yes or a no. And luckily, one tree plant that's gotten to the size now where some companies or brands are coming in wanting to do things not the right way. And we obviously are looking for projects that are going to be quality projects, going to be successful. And we say, well, you can't really do that with this type of budget. Like, it's just not going to happen. There's no point in doing it. And then you're going to have a failure. You go back a year or two years. So we enlighten them in a few ways in terms of like, other benefits they weren't thinking about? Do you have the local buy-in with the community? What is the long-term vision? Mentioning to them, it's not just about putting, and a making this number up, 50000 one year and then walking away. You're better off to maybe put $10,000 per year for the next five years so that they can plan and have like more long-term planning. It's more successful for everybody. So again, these are the things that we mentioned to them.
0: I can imagine that, you didn't walk in with this information, like knowing this. This sounds like this had to have been a learning process for you as well, right? I knew
1: nothing, nothing <laughs> other than my undergrad degree in poli-sci nothing to do with <laughs> forestry. But we have a lot of smart people on the team, you know, and I said it earlier today to somebody that, you know, hire people way smarter than you. Yeah. So I have an incredible team. I mean, the guy who's over there beside me, I mean, he's planted trees for the forest companies for many, many years. Knows how to go in, living in tough conditions, super hard work. You know, I've never done that. I've gone to the sites and walked through and planted it in motion. But an average tree guy is planting 3,000 trees in a day, getting up at four in the morning, you know, going out into the middle of nowhere with grizzly bears or this and that. And they have dogs. This time. I'm like, how come I don't have a dog? But I would go to all these projects in Florida or BC or Indonesia. And I learned, I absorbed the information. But literally, I would ask a lot of questions, a lot of stupid questions, and I absorb it. Yeah. And even when I talk to you or to your listeners, I'm still far from an expert in this space. You know, I kind of call it, I started the company, I had a vision. It's about getting people inspired and giving hope and getting funding to projects that and people on the ground that really need it have been doing incredible work, but nobody's heard their story.
0: Yeah, that's right. Always learning, right? And always getting, you know, improving, right? We just don't ever fully get there. At least I don't think so.
1: A so, funny story, too, with the yeah. Forest Service and some others, like British Columbia Ministry of Forest, I would call them, I'm like, one day I'm going to give you guys millions of dollars. How many people just hung up the phone on me and, like, laughed and said, you're a quack? But here we are today, and we're an official partner with them. We give them millions of dollars each year. And one of the guys who thought this was a bit of a scammy thing is like, what, you're going to give me $50,000? just a scam or something like that. And now he retired and ran the forestry department. Now works at One Tree Planted. Uh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic Yeah, and that's he fan- stuff. 40 years of being a forester and ran the whole carbon program over there yeah
0: so. that's fantastic could someone say if they're in a city and like maybe they live like i'm thinking about new york and like we have areas that need more trees is can the community write to you and reach out to one tree planet is that allowed or
1: yeah it's totally allowed and get yeah. it but you know When you deal with cities, New York or San Francisco, there's so many different departments and areas that all have to buy into it and get it done and put the budget and then who's watering the trees and everything. You know, the best thing is like the tree planting we're doing next week in New York and X amount of people will come out and they're going to learn about the, the project there in New York and why it's helping. And they'll usually say, these are other things you can do in the area that will be helpful. And then when you're planting in a city like a Toronto, you know, those trees aren't a dollar. Those trees can be like $30. And I've done ones in Miami that were $200 because Miami has a bylaw that the trees have to be over X amount of feet and you're responsible for three years. And if they die in the first year, that company that planted them is responsible for replanting it. So every city's different in different ways. So the best thing people can do is go volunteer with your local watershed or city parks, they always need volunteers to come out. We organize a lot of these. Like this month in April, we have 100 tree planting events happening around the world. And people getting their hands in the dirt, and they realize how this is helping with the local water quality or local biodiversity. And then they they Google and they figure out other things they can do to help.
0: Yeah, I mean, so that's going to bring up two questions. Well, one comment is that I work, I started a climate club at my local middle school here. And there's an organization that are for Arbor Day coming up that they're Mm -hmm. giving away free trees. Trees are indigenous to this part of of Mm -hmm. New York. So we got the trees. But now my problem is, is that I've got to find public land in Mm -hmm. New York City where they're going to allow me to plant the trees, you know, for the children to plant it, which is easier said than done. Uh, Right. So for those of us who do let's say we have a backyard. Right. And we want to plant. Should we always be thinking of indigenous trees? Should I, you know, bringing bamboo to, I don't even know if bamboo is a tree, but you know what I mean? Like, Should I be putting that in my backyard in Queens?
1: Yeah. You know, again, what's local and the people that know the best in terms of what's going to help and be better. Again, you could run into a lot more problems. So like you said, easier said than done. And you got this tree and is it native to the area? And, you know, bamboo, you know, I was at a project in Jamaica and they're saying so invasive, grows so fast and it's causing so many complications and very difficult yeah. to get out. You know, bamboo sequesters a lot of carbon. I see a lot of part, bamboo can also grow in a lot of soils that, you know, most won't grow in. And then you see a lot of stuff, toilet paper and T-shirts all made out of bamboo. So there's creation of jobs. But again, you have to just speak with the local experts that really know what can work here. I'll give you two examples. If yeah. you take California, and I'm working with RCDs, they're called resource conservation districts. And Southern California and Northern California is so different in many ways, and seed zones, et cetera. I go in, I listen to what they're saying, and they want to order X amount of trees because they want to try something that's going to be more resilient to the droughts, the forest fires, and they're giving us updates on this is working. And they're also trying to predict trees now that will be better in five years from now because of conditions and the way things are going. I've been in Florida where they were looking at the last hurricane, which trees withstood the hurricane and which ones went down so they could put more trees that are going to be, in a sense, windbreaks. And then in Colorado, another perfect one, and this is going to what you were saying, they had the pine beetle epidemic. So pine beetles just devastating, you know, a lot of these trees in Colorado. So they ordered a bunch of trees, which we funded, And it was a particular type of oak tree, I believe. Don't quote me on that one. And it was such a dominant tree. It was sucking up a lot of the nutrients from the soil and the water. Other trees were kind of dying off. So they'd go in and rip out all these trees. But they were trying to do something with the best intentions. And I think that we are looking at things now that are going to be better suited for where we see things going. And we did it in British Columbia, too. They asked to order these pioneer tree species because they noticed in the last forest fire when the fire hit there. When it hit the aspens and the cottonwoods, the fire dipped. If they were to go through provincial channels or federal channels, it would have taken years to sign off and get the funding. They asked us for the funding. We said, sure, we got it to them. And when I was at the meeting next year, they said, we got to order these 200,000 trees, which we're going to test and monitor over the next couple of years so that we can start seeing, is this going to be helpful for us for future forest fires? So again, I think One Tree Planted has been good on being nimble and being able to pivot and being able to be reactive to help on these situations.
0: agree. I think that's one of the biggest thing in business is to stay at a certain level. You know, if you get too big, you really can't be nimble. And then you can't respond to the things. And I think Mm -hmm. you have to be able to do that. Tell me everywhere that you guys, well, not everywhere, but Mm -hmm. everywhere that you all, if you can remember, where you plant trees right now?
1: Well, the easiest, I'll start off with, we plant trees in four regions around the world, North America, South America, Asia, and Africa. It was easy. But now we're in Europe because we've been getting so many requests to help plant trees in Europe. Europe's been difficult in different ways because they don't have economies to scale or they have higher labor costs. It's very fragmented. So how can we continue to do it at a dollar? So we're in five regions right now. We're doing a lot in Australia because AstraZeneca made a big commitment to plant 50 million trees, gave us a big amount. And we're doing a big project in Indonesia, one in the Java region, which is one of the most polluted waterways. Australia and Australia has been challenging because of the cost model that's there. And we're planting trees in New Zealand. But, you know, when you take South America, Central America, there's constantly great projects that are coming into us. Our team vets it. We kind of look at the impact and what's going to have the greatest impact. But we do so many 5,000 tree projects, 50,000 tree projects, 200,000, but we have this million tree project in Romania, you know, a project in New Zealand, Australia is continuing to expand. So we're just growing and totally open to, you know, where there's a need and can we help support it?
0: Let's talk about impact. You started this in 2013. Do you have any numbers on the impact that you've made with all the trees? How many trees you've planted in nine years?
1: Is it yeah, been nine years, know, right? It's funny because you're one of the few that says 2013, but it's so true because it is 2013. But it was actually the day before 2014. And any entrepreneur and people listening, if I could have made every single mistake possible, I probably did. So don't <laughs> register it one day before the new year is about to start because then go file taxes. It was originally a benefit corporation, and then we switched it to a nonprofit because I was talking to Google and Salesforce and. You know, just all the things, but these are learning curves. When I think nonprofits are viewed so differently than a for profit, and I'm like, why? And I think we've been very unconventional in terms of the way that we've been doing it, which has allowed us to scale fast. I mean, we're a team of almost 60 people right now. In those first few years, I knew nothing about this space. I jumped on a plane, I called everybody, and just lots of no's, 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 but you keep going, going. So, you know, the total amount of trees that we planted yes, 40, 50 million trees in total. Wow. know in over 45 countries this year there's so many probably really cool things that we're doing but to me it's not a tree number or a gross number that's coming in it's quality projects an amazing team the two things since i started this was build the brand build the brand so that when people think about you know planting a tree one tree planted is the first that comes top of mind a lot of great tree planting organizations out there but I wanted that when you think about it, we're the first that you think of, right? And then the second one is corporate culture. And just having an amazing team who come into work every day, love what they're doing. Everybody's willing to chip in where needed. We're coming into Earth Month, like the day or two days from now that we just go into our busiest time of the year for us. So a lot of planning, a lot of overtime You know, getting the employees, the team to be able to go out and see the sites that they see. Because imagine your customer service or you're the person who talks to brands and you've never been to a project. You know, we had somebody just come back from Costa Rica and got to see one of the projects we're supporting. And they were so inspired. I mean, when we went for dinner that night, that's all she was talking about. Oh, my God, the project was amazing. And we saw this and we saw that. People on the other end of the phone that are talking to us and thinking about us or another organization to give, they can sense who is authentic and providing that extra above and beyond. And they make the choice at the end of the day. But if you have an amazing people working in the organization, go such a far away.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a big word now called social enterprise, right? And creating businesses that make an impact. And Mm -hmm. it's really, it's combining the NGO with the corporation, right? And I don't know, Matt, I think you've done it really, really well. You're an inspiration for me and for my own company, for Good Home Company, and how I can use what I have already, the base, and use it more to to make good, you know?
1: Absolutely. And that's great with people like yourself who are creating a company for profit, but small little things that you can do because you're going to purchase a product anyways, let's just say. But when you purchase these small little action items, Make a difference, right? When I say together, we're planting a forest, right? So it's not yeah. on your company alone to be solving the world's challenges or problems, right? But all of a sudden, you can have this mass volume of people who are doing these small things that make a big difference. And for example, I just want to share one thing: when there was yeah. big Amazon forest fires, and everybody was Googling and seeing how they could help, it crashed our server. I mean, it brought down our website. But I can't remember; it was over five thousand donations in a day, something like that, and uh, not one donation was over $500. So it's lots of people, but now we have this pool of funding that came in in a day that we can allocate to these projects on the ground to help them.
0: That's incredible. How do you keep, you know, you, you bring that up and it's like changing our business to do that, but then there's, it can go wrong. So one instance I know of is Tom's the Tom's shoes, right? Mm. Great idea. Like, I'm going to make a pair of shoes, I'm going to give 10 away. Well, if you actually look, what happened was that there was a lot of businesses, local shoemakers who went out of business Mm -hmm. or shoe sellers that went out of business because of that, right? People Mm -hmm. were getting new shoes. People then weren't buying shoes from their local, you Mm -hmm. know, cobbler, right? So, how do you keep yourself in check?
1: No, it's such a good point, you know, and everything you do in life in general has a ripple effect. And how far deep can you see? these consequences right and coming from the marketing you know area and they would like put a promotion on an end aisle take away a unit and like great the sales went up there but then when they really have these massive computers say well the sales fell over there on something else right so how deep can you dig on the data so look we plant a tree in whatever country how are we affecting it in a positive light as much as we possibly can And, you know, people can always poke holes in something, right? No matter how good you are trying to do the best intention. And you got to look big picture because I'm sure some of the great work that is happening is having some sort of negative consequence somewhere in that ripple chain, right? But what I've yet to be, I'll give you an example where I've heard a bit of feedback. So, you know, we say you can plant a tree for a dollar and we're allocating to a particular region. I won't say the region in there, but there was a lot of organizations that were doing something similar in our model regionally but they were charging more. And they said that now people are shifting the money over to us and not going to them. And they asked us to change our model. So, you know, we have to take all the stuff in and try and keep everybody happy. And I understand, and it's, it's challenging in any type of business on making the right choices.
0: Yeah. I guess it's to be willing to take a look at it and to maybe not take that throne of being the savior. You know what I mean? Like always just being involved in it, which it sounds like you are like always on the
1: ground, my friend had a good expression. Some people hug trees, we plant trees. Yeah. So these people call it, you can bitch and moan all you want, strap yourself to a tree and just protest and sign pledges and stuff, right? But take action and small little things that you can go out to your local community and plant a tree, help out in any ways. And I'm not saying that those things are, are right or wrong, right? But yeah. I don't want to get caught up and like, you know, sign this commitment or pledge thing. yeah, you know, I'd rather go out tomorrow more of my local backyard and go with $200 Maybe it's not done right, right now, but you're talking to all the local experts. You're thinking this out the best you can. And then afterwards, you will know, do it better and keep doing it better. And we have a term here at One Tree Planted called continuous improvement, right? So I have the t-shirt actually. and people do love you? it.
0: It's yeah, so <laughs> I want to see that. Yeah, I'd love to see that. So I want to ask you, what gives you hope?
1: I think... It's easier and easier with the technologies out there to provide the transparency so that when people are allocating funding to any type of cause, they can see it's happening, right? Not be in the dark. So that's helpful. I think the technologies are making us more efficient for a lot of things in the space that we're in and others. And I think that I'm seeing more collaboration, which is better because I, when I came into this space, I feel that this space, one, was gloom and doom style, like you gotta donate five dollars to us today. If not, the world's gonna to end tomorrow. No, that's not the right approach. It's inspiring hope, showing that things can be changed and people not feeling paralyzed. And I think things were very territorial a decade ago or longer. We're now similar organizations. It's not about who's battling it out for those donation dollars. It's like it going that way, and it can be better. And I think with COVID. People have seen that, you know, with less people traveling and doing this and that, we saw cleaner waterways, we could see the mountains, you know, air quality levels got better within three months. So that showed people, because people were skeptical and they, hey, if we allocate this money here, is it really going to work? Well, we saw in those early days that things did get better. So can we do this more now? So I have a combination of a few things that I think are hopeful. Mm -hmm. And I think more and more people now are looking to get involved and do more. So lots of things we can do.
0: Yeah. And I loved how you said that you have to, you know, you're making an impact with joy, with positivity, that the doom and gloom, because it doesn't work. Shaming people will never work. And I suppose there are some people, I mean, those commercials are still on. We all know it with the, my husband calls it the Sarah McLaughlin dogs. Do you have those in Canada? Have you seen those commercials? Yeah, I know which one you, you know, are. and we have two rescue chihuahuas. You may see them behind me and it's just heart wrenching. And mm. for me personally, that doesn't make me want to mm. act. It makes me want to crawl in a hole and
1: die. You know, I want to change the channel because I don't want to be depressed. There's enough depressing news out there. Yeah, so I want to see. Inspiring stuff and like, hey, there's a tree planting event happening, you know, in New York City. Come out on this day and like you're getting your hands in dirt. And people are all looking for that and want to help.
0: Exactly. And I think that you've just done such a great job with that, Matt. You really have. How can we be the change? So, the people listening, we can buy trees. You can also, I guess, encourage big corporations here in New York City. We have Goldman Sachs. We, have, I mean, everyone's here, right? How can, um, your corporations can donate to you
1: and uh, do a project? Look, look, good intentions, they're all trying to help. But, you know, when they talk about these commitments and we speak to them, you know, not trying to do it at the lowest possible cost or denominator. I just think like, if you want to do it right, this is the way and this is the cost and it's going to have so much powerful impact and you're going to get more buy-in, buy-in internally, buy-in externally, right? So it's having those conversations and I just keep saying to them, enlightening them, And showing that, you know, you have sophisticated stuff to track to show that this is working. That's just one part, right? But how can people get involved? At the end of the day, you got to start small and small little things that everybody can do right now. So what I say is, can you be a vegetarian for a day? It's not about you becoming a vegetarian forever, but like, okay, I want to be a vegetarian today. And I say this, I'm a broken record. But I'll do it if you show me the recipe. What do I eat for breakfast? I have no clue. What do I eat for lunch? What am I going to eat for dinner? If it's mapped out for me, and I always use Dan Heath, and he's wrote a lot of incredible books. It's like you literally have mapped this out for them to make it super easy for them to do them. But if one out of 10 people, you know, listening today, just, you know, the meatless Monday little thing and follow that makes a big difference. And then using less on the disposables. And if you work at a company and you're look and it's earth month in a couple of days, having a challenge, for example, all the employees that come into work, who can go the longest without using one of these things?
0: It's a plastic bottle he's holding up yeah
1: you know yeah yeah exactly so these are the small things so this is challenge and then somebody could get you know day off of work right and then carpool so again we all know to do it but if you have a group at work or group at school to motivate each other and try a small little thing for a day or a week these little challenges then it starts making a difference and then volunteer and look online on things you can do, beach cleanup. And it doesn't have to be about trees, 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 because after a while, I'll keep hearing planting trees, planting trees, it starts to become redundant. So little things you could do each month that's helping the environment in many different ways is good.
0: That's right. One of the things I, I had an author, Sandra Goldmark on, and she wrote a book called Fixation. And what i learned from her is to fix it. so even when looking at furniture and a lot of us are looking at now it's you can't get new cars so everyone's buying used, right? and a used car is getting a lot more money than one would think. but you know, when looking at your furniture, what can you reuse? what can you share? we have a community here where i'm on on whatsapp and we all we don't throw it out. we post it and inevitably someone wants it.
1: Totally. right? Yeah. And you're seeing more of these description models for clothing that people, instead of throwing out, going into a landfill, this and that, people are just becoming trendy and reusing clothes, recycling jeans. That bottle that I showed, you know, RPET, recycled PET, and just make sure that I'm not going to get flack, but I do have my reusable. So I'm not sure. out of that, but you know, these things around. So I think we're just getting better and better at uh, doing things better.
0: Yeah. Technology is helpful. I just listened to Ezra Klein at his podcast and they're talking about, oh gosh, I forget the guy, he had, you know, a famous economist on and he said that we're too tech heavy.
1: Mm.
0: I mean, we kind of have a lot of the solutions of doing it. And if we all just make a little bit of an effort, a little bit of an effort, we do have it. Our oceans, our soil, our trees, they sequester that. Now, of course, we have a lot of people on the planet now, but you know, I think I don't know if it was built for that many, but we have you planting more trees. So thank you. Now, if someone wants to reach out to you, how can we plant trees with One Tree Planted?
1: The website's onetreeplanted.org. If anybody wants to reach out to me, Matt with two Ts at onetreeplanted.org, try and respond to pretty much every email that comes in. A lot come in. And I think it's important. I try and jump onto as many calls as I can. And then, um, yeah, it's volunteering, doing small little things. I mean, yeah, again, like you said, small little action steps that all collectively makes a big difference.
0: Well, thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you so much for being the change. I really appreciate you.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are inspired. We grow with supporters and listeners like you. So please share this podcast with your community and follow us on Instagram at bethechange.nyc. And to learn more about our guests and what you can do to be the change, go to our website at www.bethechange.nyc. That's bethechange.nyc. Thank you and be well.